Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Everything good this morning? Come on, what's up, Transformation Church? Y'all doing good on this fine summer morning? It is good to see all of your beautiful faces and to be in the house of God with you. Uh, why don't you give yourself a hand clap for making it to the house of God today? Come on. Thank you for being here. You got up, you got ready, and uh, you prepared to come and hear the word of the Lord. That is huge, and I believe that uh, God is going to speak to you, and uh, hopefully you're coming expectant. I believe you are. Uh, I think that the expectation of our heart determines what we get from, from the Lord. Does that make sense? There's an expectation and a hunger, and uh, I believe that uh, we're hungry for, for God. I uh, am going to start a new series today. Uh, several things. You did see Big Serve Day that's coming up. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Please, we have about 10 or 15 different projects all around the city. Uh, we're building a, a house with Habitat for Humanity. We're doing, um, I, this was kind of a, an interesting thing. I didn't even know this was a ministry, but there is a, um, there is a, um, a nursing home um, uh, next, to, next door to us, a, a nursing care facility. And um, so we were, I was asking about projects, and one of our outreach team members was telling me about a project we're doing over there. And uh, they said that we're going to do um, a walker wash. And I was like, and I, I was asking about, can the kids be, what's the project the kids could be involved in? They're like, we're going to do a walker wash. I'm like, a, a, a walker wash. We're going to, we're going to walk them or wash them. I was like, what? I don't know if that's a kid friendly outreach. You know, so they're like, no, no, no. We're going to wash their walkers. So I was like, oh, that's much better. And so anyway, that's one of the projects that we're going to be doing uh, right across the street, a, a walker wash. And uh, we're also going to have uh, many, about 10 or 15 different ones. So sign up for that. You don't want to miss out on that. It's in July. And then we do have Encounter coming up at the end of this month. Every, every uh, month we do Encounter, and we praise God for an extended amount of time, hour and a half of worship. We're going to begin to work in a little more prayer into our Encounter time as well. And so we want to make that a night of prayer and worship. And so uh, when is our church corporate prayer time going to be? Every Encounter, we're going to kind of work in uh, a lot of worship into that. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And then next week, if you're a dad, look at somebody and say, uh, what's up, dad, if they're a dad? Come on, look at your dad. And uh, just say, what's up, dad? And now say, get here next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome week. We got gifts for every dad in the house. And so, and and it goes with our series, Man of the House. And so it's going to be a cool gift for Man of the House. And as I jump into the word today, um, I've already had people tell me in a little bit of controversy around that title. They're like, you know, is that, a, is that an okay title for this, for, for this day and age? Like, like man of the house, like, is that okay? And I, I just want to encourage you, like, like Satan hates fatherhood. Satan hates manhood. Satan hates, Satan hates men. He hates all people, but he hates strong, godly men. And so why would we do a series called man of the house? And it's not, it's not a, a series like an abusive series, like I'm the man of the house. Listen to me. It's not that. I'm going to talk to you men today about being a man of God, about being the man of the house and what that really looks like. The Bible has a lot to say about godly men and about being a man. And so I want to, I want to speak to men today. Uh, I think it's important that men rise up in this day and age. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about being a godly man. Everything changes when godly men rise up. Everything changes. Um, the stats, uh, there's a lot out there, but I think one of the most um, accurate stats are when a father comes to Christ, 60% of the home comes to Christ. When a, when a mom comes, yeah, pray, come on, we can get, clap for that. That's awesome. 
When a dad, come, when a, when a, when a mother comes to Christ, 40% of the home comes to Christ. And when one of the children come to Christ, 25% of the home come to Christ. And so fathers, there's just this power uh, that God has put into the hands, into the hearts of men that will be led by God. The presence of God in a man's life changes everything. Satan has been trying to kill the family since the Garden of Eden. I'm going to get into the Garden of Eden today in Genesis a little bit. And I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. And uh, Satan has been trying to destroy men since the Garden, destroy the family trying to destroy relational connectivity. Um, why does Satan hate the family so much? It's because of the interdependence and the, and the calling that God put in the family. And so we know the family structure is under attack. Here's what you need to know as, as men in here. I'm going to talk to the men a lot today. Um, and so what you need to know is this, that, that Satan, Satan's hatred for manhood proves the power of it. Come on, Satan's hatred for, for godly men proves that it's a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Satan is telling you that you're not anything and you're not powerful or you don't, you, you know, you don't matter. He's trying to convince you all the time that you're not making a difference. Satan tries to do that so much in your life and in men's lives because he knows how strong we are. And so we've got to look at the enemy's playbook and what he's doing in society right now. And uh, it's, it's sad that just this title could be controversial when the entire Bible talks about being godly men. I understand there's been abuses. And so, so that type of machismo abuse is not biblical. Let me say that first and foremost. Being a man of God comes with serving and humbling yourself and being gentle and being loving and being caring and crying. Come on, who cried at Top Gun? Come on, somebody, where my men at? Come on, I've seen it 52 times. We went back and watched the, the first one to get ready for the second one. I'm crying when Goose is, is, dies. I cry, I just cried. I can't help it, I'm a man. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so there's just something about uh, being a godly, strong man. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. This is really the verse that this entire series was thought through or, thought, or birthed from. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And I'm going to break this down later in the series. But here's what it says. Be watchful. Be watchful. It means there's something to watch for. Like, like we need to be watching out. Like so often we're just passive. Like be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. I love that verse. There's another verse in the Old Testament that says, act like men. And, and like, it, that's not a bad thing to say. Act like a man. It doesn't mean don't cry. Come on, I cry when I see soldiers walking through the airport and every, I stand and clap. I cry when I see men in uniform. I cry when I see women in uniform. I cry when I see military uh, regalia. I, 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 I'm, I have emotions, right? It doesn't mean we don't have emotions or we don't show emotions. I cry in worship. Come on, real men cry in worship, somebody. Real men cry when God gets on the scene and does something in their life. But, but I think it's okay to say, act like a man. Then it says, be strong. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Let everything you do be done because you have this love. And in Genesis, we see that Satan comes on the scene and begins to destroy the family. And Adam is there. The Bible tells us that he's hanging out with, with Eve and they're in the garden and Satan shows up and tempts, tempts Eve and deceives Eve. But the, the reality is Adam's standing there the whole time. Adam's in the picture the entire time. And so what you need to hear this, first thing you can write down is, men, if, I'm gonna be strong with you today. Can I be strong with you guys in here today? Y'all strong enough? I'm gonna come hard. Next week on Father's Day, I'm gonna encourage you. Today, I'm gonna slap you a little bit. 
I'm going to love you next week on Father's Day because men have it tough. Come on, I want to encourage you. Godly men, you, it's not easy being. Ladies, it's not easy carrying the weight of manhood, carrying the weight of everything that we carry on our shoulders. It's not easy. And, and, and especially trying to be godly men. And so I'm going I'm to give you a challenge today and then I'm going to encourage you heavy next week and kind of lift some burdens off your shoulders next week. If you do not lead your family, Satan will. If you, if you don't lead your kids, Satan will. If you, if you don't lead your household, the enemy will. That's what he did right there in the garden. It goes back to Genesis. Passivity is probably one of the number one problems with men in this nation. Passivity is a huge problem around the world, but, but we lean towards passivity. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Adam had a calling. Uh, God said, Adam, I want you to guard and protect. I want you to tend and keep. There was this job description to, to have this job, to tend the garden, to keep the garden, but also to guard it. There must have been something to guard from. And what happened? Adam was standing there the entire time in Genesis 3, and he was passive with the thing God called him to do. Listen to me, men, we're not passive when it comes to work. We're not passive when it comes to hobbies. <laughs> Somebody laughed heavy at that. Come on, I played golf yesterday. I, 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 like, I like hobbies. We're, we're not passive when it comes to that. And I, I bargained with my wife that I could put the new lights in today because I played golf yesterday. Come on, baby, I love you. Y'all hold me accountable. Somebody text my wife and ask me if I put the new lights in today. I'm going to put the new lights in this afternoon. But, 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 but there's, there's, there's this passivity when it comes to family and worship. There's this all in when it comes to work and an all in when it comes to hobbies. But when it comes to family and worship and the scriptures and, and pulling ourselves into the things that God has for, for us and following Jesus, sometimes we can be very passive with that. Adam was passive. It, it's a root that happened right there in the garden. He didn't guard the home. He didn't guard against the enemy. He's right there standing next to Eve. And listen, men, you got to hear me. Verse nine in chapter three, it says this, but the Lord God called to the man. Where are you? Where are you? And maybe he's saying that to some of you today through this message. Where are you? The Lord God didn't, call, didn't hold Eve to account. The Lord God called Adam. He called out Adam. Hey, Adam, where are you? Are you, are you guarding? Are you keeping? Are you tending? Are you worshiping? What do you, where are you, Adam? And I just, I'd like to say, you and me, men, we're going to be held to account for the spiritual warfare of our homes and our families and our lives. I hope this helps somebody today. Y'all with me today? I'm going to be held to account on how I spiritually battled for my family, how I battled in worship in here in this room, how I battled behind doors before you got here, how I, how I spiritually battled. Uh, well, well, pastor, I provide for my family. Can you get rid of that excuse right now? I'm, I'm going to talk to you about providing in a minute, but providing for your family is not a backdoor excuse to not lead spiritually. Well I, well, I put food on the table. I provide. And listen to me. I know it's not easy to lead spiritually. Come on, listen. It's scary. Like, and we don't know what to do all the time. And we don't want to know how to. And, and we know if we try to lead spiritually at home sometimes with our wives, like, they know the real us. And so they're not going to be impressed by us. Right? Come on, anybody. Come on. I want to say, men, your wife is not looking for someone to be impressed by. She's looking for someone to help serve and lead and walk through this journey of life and to do warfare and battle with. Does that make sense? Ladies, hear me. When he steps up and begins to try to lead spiritually a little bit more or a little bit stronger, give him room to do so. Don't be like, well, you misquoted that one. <laughs> it's not, there's no book, you know, there's no book of job. 
That's the book of Job, babe. You need a job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, like, don't, like, give him some room, like, to, to step out. Don't correct him and tell him that that verse wasn't right and, that, and, and, and let him be a leader in it. Uh, I mean, if he's way off, like, theologically, let him come see me. Send him to me, okay? We'll work that out. You know, but, but I mean, let him have some room to spiritually battle for the home and for the family. And so I know we don't want to look stupid, men. We don't want to fail. Uh, but I just want to encourage you, step up, not to impress. Step up just to start. Pray for your family at night. You have, a, have a verse with your wife. Talk through a Bible scripture. Just, just begin somewhere. Genesis 1 through 4 today, I'm going to give you some thoughts of what it looks like, men, to have a relationship with God. Very simple thoughts today. Three thoughts from Genesis chapters 1 through 4, very first family in the Bible, and um, it's very important that we can look at what the enemy did and what what God did. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, you can read along on the screen with me or in your Bibles if you have them. It says this, in the beginning, God. It's so simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. So there's chaos everywhere. There's darkness everywhere. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. He saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. Can I just tell you that God is constantly uh, taking darkness and lighting it up in our life. God is constantly dividing dark things and chaotic things and bringing chaotic things to order only if God is in the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Men, listen to me. You need God in the beginning of your day. In the beginning of, am I talking to the church today? Am I talking to Christians today? Y'all with me today? Come on, we're a talk back church. Anybody with me? Come on, we're a loud church. You need, you need God in the beginning of your finances, in the beginning of your marriage, in the beginning of your dating, in the beginning of your calling. You need God in the beginning. Do you know how many relational marriage problems I counsel because there was perversion and sexuality in their dating season before they got married? Do you know how, do you, if, if you knew how many marriages have problems and roots of insecurity and fear because they stepped over the boundaries, not that that's not forgivable, but there's roots that the enemy wreaks havoc on in families because men never got God in the beginning of their dating process. Some of you, listen, some of you, you you have issues in your marriages because you you were sexually active before you got married and now you're a Christian. Maybe you weren't even a Christian. I see it actually worse for those that were Christians and both love God and, and were sexually active before they got married and then they get married and Satan begins to wreak havoc in their minds and accuse them to one another because they were Christians at that point and Satan says things like, well, if he was a Christian, he wouldn't have, and if she was a Christian, she wouldn't have, you know what I'm saying? And so I wanna encourage you, you know what I counsel men to do uh, in those scenarios? I counsel you to go back to your wife and apologize and say, you know what? I told you I would protect you. I couldn't even protect you from me. The first calling to get God in the beginning of your relationship is to protect her from you and from your cravings and from your carnality because we all have that, right? And so the reality is we're called to protect uh, our wives from us first to set a strong foundation. Get God in the beginning Get the light of God in the beginning of your money. Get the light of God in the beginning of whatever you're going to do tomorrow. Get the light of God in the beginning of your decision-making process. What's God's word say? If you, if you want, men, if you want things to go from, from chaos to order, get God in the beginning. 
I need God in the beginning of my life, of my day. I can't, I can't, I've realized the more I don't have God in the, in the morning when I pray, it's more forgive me's in the evening. Come on, anybody. In the, in the morning, it's like, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. If I don't do that in the evening, it's like, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And so, so I need God to be in the beginning. Here's three ways you can know of God's primary in your life, men. Number one, my relationship with Jesus. If you want to know of God's primary, number one, check your relationship with Jesus. Genesis 1-2, it says, in the beginning, God. What I mean by that is, can you mark the beginning of your relationship with God? Not, not just your relationship with, with God the Father, like with Jesus Christ. Like where in your life did you realize that it was chaos, it was void, it was formless, it was dark, and you decided to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Like in the beginning, when do you have that moment in your life where you know that you said, I need a savior, I am broken, and I need a relationship with Jesus, not the big man upstairs, not the head honcho, not the eternal big cheese. Come on, anybody? The, the, the God, the eternal Father, Jesus. Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus encompasses the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Like when in your life can you trace back to go, you know what? I bent my knee to Jesus. That's how you know if you have a real relationship with God. Many people say they know God all across our world. The way I know God is going to be different than the way my waitress knew God last week. She, he was the big cheese, the big power, the big man upstairs, the, the, the bigger power. No, no, no. Jesus. I know at 24 years old, 25 years old, I finally bent my knee in a room like this with about a thousand people at an altar to Jesus. I finally surrendered to Jesus. I finally said, Jesus, you're going to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, my relationship, the chaos and the darkness and the pain. Come on, this might be elementary, but men, we need it. We need Jesus. You need a relationship with Jesus. You don't need rules. You don't need regulations. You don't need a bunch of don'ts. You don't need, you, you don't need church attendance. Come on. Thank God we're here together. But that's not what the relationship with God is. It's a relationship with Jesus. Do you know his voice? Does he speak to you? Does he encourage you? Does he correct you? Does he guide you? Is God in the beginning? I know I ran for 13 years and the Holy Spirit chased me and I finally bent my knee and I need a savior. I just want to say you and your relationship with God is based on your relationship with Jesus. I have to have Jesus to remove sin out of my life. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus, in Christ. Literally, I want to encourage some of you guys. You've given your life to Jesus. You're not what you did. You, God sees you through the lens of Jesus. I have to have Jesus on my life because God is perfect, and, and nothing that's not perfect can come to the Father. So the only way I can get to the Father is through a perfect Savior named Jesus. In the Old Testament, when they inspected the lamb, which was a picture of Jesus, they would, they would inspect the lamb. They, the family would bring a lamb, and the priest would inspect the lamb, not the family. They wouldn't look at the family. They would look at the lamb. God, when he looks at you, he's not looking and checking off all your mistakes and failures and sins and issues if you've come to him through the blood of Jesus. You have a relationship with God through Jesus. I want to take some condemnation off of you. All the stuff that you think that God sees about your life, he doesn't. He can't. He sees Jesus. That, that'll, that'll help your relationship with God right now. 
That'll help your timidity and your shame and your, and your discouragement and your, and your, your shying away from coming to God thinking he's counting all the checklists about what you did yesterday. That's not what God's doing. With a relationship with Jesus, he sees Jesus. How's your relationship with Jesus? Number one, men, how's your relationship with Jesus? I think it's, it's got to be primary if God's going to be primary. Number two, very important. How's my recognition of Jesus? How's my relationship with Jesus? How's my recognition of Jesus? What do I mean by that? So, so do you ever, as a parent, say something over and over and over to get your point across? Any parents in here? Come on. And, and, and do you say it over and over and over to kind of emphasize what you, what you want them to hear, right? So if you repeat yourself, it's because you want to get your point across. In Genesis chapter 2, God repeats himself on something that's very interesting. All through the chapter, he says this. I'm going to read it to you quickly, but I want you to see what stands out to what God repeats over and over. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth. Where they, where they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant or field was formed in the, uh, in the earth and before any herb or the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. But in the mist it went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. Breathed into his nostrils into the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put a man who he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow from its pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree that was the life was in the midst of the garden, and there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 15. Then the Lord God took the man. Uh, on through the rest, all the way through verse 21, he says, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. There, there are 11 Lord Gods in chapter 2 alone. In Genesis chapter 2, there are 11 Lord Gods. Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Satan is introduced on the scene for the first time in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The very first time Satan speaks is Genesis 3, verse 1. We get to see his intent. He shows up and he says this. So chapter 2 says, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. Genesis 3, 1, it says, Satan says, did God say? I thought it was the Lord God 11 times. Did, did God say? Here's the reality. Satan doesn't mind, man, if you have a general knowledge of God. Satan has a knowledge of God. Satan fears God and trembles, the Bible says. Satan does not mind if you have a respect of God. Many of you men, at mealtime, you'll take your hat off. Many, many men at prayer time will take their hat off. Many men will come into church and, and there's a general respect, but, but, but when it comes to Lord God, Satan doesn't mind if you know God and you have a respect of God. He, he does not want you to say he's Lord God. Because when he becomes Lord God, he begins to call the shots in your life. He begins to tell you how to live. He begins to direct your day. He begins to get involved in the details of your daily living. Does that make sense? It's not just about taking that hat off. It's about bending your knee and putting your life in his hands. He's, he's Lord God. Now, many times we all blow this and we mess up, but the reality is I can't just have a recognition of God. I have to re have a recognition of Jesus and his authority in my life. Any Instagram people out here? Any Facebook people in here? Come on, I got a lot of Facebook friends. And, well, actually, I got on Facebook about three years ago. I've been free ever since, praise God. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, and that's, that's probably just as bad, so I, you know, don't clap for me. And so, so I'm on, I follow all types of pastors and uh, people, and I see stuff about their life, and, and you know, I, I look into their lives and stuff, and, and I follow them. I don't know them. 
I don't, they don't, and if they told me to do something, I would never obey them. If one of these pastors I follow on Instagram told me, hey, I want you to do this, come on, you, you probably get Facebook messages saying send money to different places around the world of people you don't know. You don't obey them. Somehow they found you. Somehow they, you know, you might not even follow them. For me, there's people I follow and I know about their life. I would never obey them. Can I just say, guys, we got to stop following Jesus as it's some social media follower that we follow that we know all about him and we know about his word and we know about his life, but we're not gonna obey when he tells us something to do in our daily life. We have to decide that our relationship with God is gonna be a recognition of his authority and his power, and I'm gonna build my life off of his plan and his word and his book. I think that I, I, I need that every day. I need to go every day and say, okay, God, how can I build my life? When we were building this building, anybody in construction in here? The construction people, come on, you've gone to construction trailers where the master plans are. We had a trailer right behind this building where all the master plans that the architect had designed were in that trailer. And I was walking this property with the builders every day, the project managers and the, and the construction guys. And every day, every single square foot of this building, there's a master plan for it. And anytime we ran into a snag, anytime we ran into a change, the slightest of changes, we all had to get rally around that trailer, a little cold, frozen trailer out there. And we get out there with a little heater and we get the little flashlight and we're looking at it and we're going through it and we're seeing what the architect said. And the changes that we're making had to be referenced to the master design and master plan for the building. That, that's just what I'm talking about when we're saying that Jesus has the authority in our life. If you're making changes, if you're making moves, if you're trying to decide something, if you're making decisions, get with the word of God. Jesus is the authority. He's not a suggestion. He's not an Instagram famous person that you follow. He is the Lord God of my life. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, I love this verse, all scripture, this is the amplified, it speaks, speaks powerfully, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction and of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God, come on, man of the house, so that the man of God, yeah, thank you. You're men of God. There's some, there, come on, there's something about that. I got a pastor friend calls me or texts me on Sunday morning. He's like, come on, man of God. I mean, my shoulders just get back a little. I'm a man of God. Satan will try to tell you you're not a man of God, that you don't amount to anything, that you're not making a difference, that you can't lead, that you're not. Come on, listen, it doesn't matter if you messed up. That's not what God's looking at. We've all messed up. But how do you see yourself? You're a man of God. And the word of God trains you and equips you. It says, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Could it be that you feel insufficient because you ain't got the word of God making you be the man of God? It says the word of God completes me and makes me proficient and strengthens me. I got to get the word of God. Come on, Dusty. There's my trainer right there. I missed a workout in the week, but then I checked the second workout and it sends you a text when I missed my workout and says, your coach is watching. <laughs> do, do you know that, 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 that I actually have to be engaged a little bit more and a little bit more concerned with my workout because, because there's a coach watching, because there's a text that goes to somebody that's going to look at me and ask me, what's up, workout, man of God? <laughs> I, I just, men of God, 
Man, let the word of God, let the master plan, let each other, let accountability, let people be in your life. I'm telling you, you'll be stronger for it. You're like, well, pastor, I can't memorize all that scripture. I can't do all that. That's a lie. You, you know, every Super Bowl back to Super Bowl four, you know, every stat of your fame of your player, you know, if the Vols and all the stats of every pitcher that they're, they're winning right now, you scream and shout, you know, every single bourbon glazed barbecue, you can name 20 beers and you know, you. But you can't, but you can't memorize some scriptures. No, no, no. Whatever you prioritize, you plan for. Whatever you prioritize, you prepare for. And so I just want to encourage you, man, whatever it takes, man, begin to get into the word of God. Let Jesus, this is recognition. He's not just God. He's not just God. He's Lord God. He's Lord God in every area of your life. Here's some areas that I want to encourage you to be like God in. Here's some areas you can know if you're Lord God. Number one, men, work hard. Can I get practical? Work hard. Jesus swung a hammer, and he didn't live in Mary's basement his whole life. <laughs> he didn't. Jesus had a job, guys. They're like, well, he did live there. And Jesus had a lot of houses. He stayed at many houses, and he traveled, and he had friends. But listen, just he worked hard. Like, like, work hard. Genesis 2.15, Adam had a job description. It was, can I tell you this? Before the curse. Man, work is just a curse. No, it's not. It's a blessing. Work is a calling. The, the reason our society is in the state it is is because they think work is a curse. Work is a calling from God. It's, a, it's an empowerment from God. The, the curse hit. The curse was you shall work by the sweat of your brow. That's the curse that you'll try to work apart from God, and you'll, you'll work and work and work in your own strength and be worn out and tired out. The blessing of God is that you'll work hard and have God's hand and favor on it, and you can actually be blessed. Work is a blessing and a command. First Timothy 5.8. Let me say this. Young ladies, if you're dating a guy and he doesn't have a job and it's a consistent pattern in his life, not just a hard moment in his life, run. Now, now hear me. You heard what I said. If it's a consistent pattern, not if it's a hard moment. We've all gone through hard moments. But if it's a consistent pattern in his life, run. First Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for the own, their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That, that's, that's in the New Testament. Like he's saying that if you don't work and you don't support and you don't swing a hammer or you don't have passion for your, your calling and your work, you're worse than an unbeliever. Like that's heavy to even try to figure out. Is it okay for me to preach? Can we get back to preaching the Bible sometimes? This is the Bible. Like, I want to like, I, I give you, like, chocolate milk and cookies and make you feel good, but, but I got to give you some broccoli and some reality right here, right? My kids want me to try that lemon cookie milk. The staff the other day was like, Pastor, there's ham and goodies, lemon cookie milk. That's, dis I can't even, that's curdled milk with lemons in it. That's disgusting. Anybody seen the white little sign, ham and goodies, lemon cookie milk? This ain't lemon cookie Sunday, everybody. For you, Dusty. I don't. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away. When I became a man, I put away things of childhood. I put them behind me. So, so again, listen, men, work hard, have fun, have fun, recreate, work hard. 
Do both. I'm not going to dog anybody's hobbies in here. Like I said, I played golf yesterday. I still got people coming at me mad because I dogged video gamers several years back. You're like, Pastor, that's wrong. We, we like to play video games. And I like my, I like my golf or my, my hobbies. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to pick on a hobby. What I'm saying is make sure you're working hard. Number two, number one, work hard for your household, for your family. Number two, work hard for God's house. Serve God for God's house. Men, are you leading your family to church? Did you lead your family here today or did your wife lead you here today? Did, did, uh, did she drag you here or, or are you bringing your family to the house of God? Lead, serve in the house of God. Please, men, hear me. Please quit treating this place like a commodity. This is not a commodity for you to buy and sell. This is not a commodity. This is a community for you to invest into. This is a community for you to serve into. Hear me, please hear me. There are teens. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a heavy trip today, but if you're part, how are we going to treat the household of God? How are we going to treat the family of God? Is this something that I'm always going, what am I getting out of it? How's it feeding me? How's it serving me? Do I like it? Is it good for me? Is it good for me? Or is, it, is this a community? How can I serve it? How can I pour into it? How can I build it? How can I encourage it? How can I strengthen it? Come on, men of God. If, if you're, let me just get practical. Serve the house of God. If you're not on one of our serve teams here, please hear me today. We need you. We need you. You see this room, it's full of people and families and marriages and those that need men to stand up and lead strong. Quit telling me what's wrong with this place if you're not on a team. I'm just, I'm just, I need you. Like, like there's places all over this house. This is not a commodity. This is a community of God to serve and love and give and cherish. And yes, receive from and grow from. But this is the house of God. Are we going to buy and sell it like a commodity? Or are we going to invest into it like a community? I need men of God. I dream about this place with men of God, communicators of God, men standing up on this platform and sharing the gospel, men serving and praying, waving, leading, parking cars. Do you know that we, we have trouble getting people to park cars out in the parking lot? Can I be honest with you today? We, we have trouble finding certain people to serve in certain areas. So there's some Sundays there's one parking person out there waving to you guys coming in. One. Some Sundays, I'm like, I, this, this is what I carry. My shoulder's going, God, raise up men to be serving in this community, up and down the aisleways, up and down the city, up and down the hallways, out in the parking lot, on our serve days, every single area, in our production, on our cameras, in our worship, every area, oh God. You can tell the health of a community by the men of God. I was in a church up in West Virginia, and the guest pastor looked out, and he goes, look at the men here. Men serving everywhere. I got to the back door of the church. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even speaking at the church. I got to the back door of the church. I had three men greet me at my hotel. I wasn't even speaking. Pastor Jamie, welcome to West Virginia. I showed up at the back door of the church, and I, and I got to the back door of the church, and, and there were three guys that knew my name and, and, and greeted me and knew my name. And, and what, Where's the, the honor in the house of God? Men of honor. I showed up in the back of the, of the not, not about me, about us. How are we honoring each other? How are we honoring the, the cars that pull into our community because someone's waving? And you know how powerful a wave and a smile and a good morning man of God is? Oh, I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm off my notes again this week. <laughs> 
But I walked to the church and there were men everywhere. Man, men, come on, let's get it together. Let's, let's get it, let's do this together. Like, uh, let's pray together. Let's believe. Do you know how many marriages I'm trying to counsel right now and pray that they would hang on? How many, how many transgender issues in the Christian church that I'm dealing with right now? How many kids that are confused about their sexuality right now? Is there not a cause? Are there not giants that we need to slay together? Do we not need to lock arms together? Get in groups together? Get accountable to partners like Dust. Thank you for giving us your gym to work out with some men and, and come together in, in the morning and get stronger as men. Women are invited to. Not in this message. <laughs> oh, man. Serving God's house. This isn't a commodity. This is a community. There's no greater purpose. Number three, stay pure. Men, stay pure. Stay pure. If you're addicted to pornography, get help. If you're looking at crap in your private time, and get, get accountability. Get free. Talk, come talk to a pastor. We have resources. If you're being drawn towards something, get, get, get open. Get real with somebody. This will encourage you. Do you know the national average or the worldwide average when a man gets free from pornography, his salary doubles? That right there, that should be like, oh, oh. Uh, and and it's not, there's nothing to be ashamed about of it. Uh, you know, well, let me say this. A lot of people deal with it. And so don't, don't let the enemy stigmatize you and keep you in the dark and, and allow you not to talk about it or get real about it. Women as well. It's, a, it's, a, it's an epidemic in our society. I mean, I, I know, I know my, you know, my kids saw it when they were young and I wish I, like, we didn't have a certain block on a computer and man, some stuff hit, but we're, we're diligent now. And ever since then, we were vigilant to, to put blocks and guards in our home. And, you know, my wife and I, none, none of our children are allowed to keep their, their, their phones. All, now my son's almost 19, so he's the only one. But none of my children in our house were allowed to keep their phones and their devices in their rooms all night long. At a certain time, they had to turn their phone in, and we, we, we would put that phone up all night. They hated us for it. They still, they still are mad about it, right? <laughs> I don't care. And, and, and yeah, I, I don't care if they're mad. S stay pure. Do, do you remember the days when we were losing our mind with COVID? Trying to, come on, you were washing your mail. You, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you were washing your mail. How come we would be that diligent when it comes to some germ that could maybe kill us physically, but we're not that diligent with germs that could kill us spiritually? Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Man, let's, let's begin to be diligent. Let's stay pure. I got so much to tell you. I got some time left. Don't check out on me. Men, Mary, men, pursue your wife. We're going to pray for you, Reggie. Pursue your wife. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it takes intentionality. 
It, it, takes, it takes purposeful intention, like, like words, romance. My wife and I have been talking about this the other day. She told me, she goes, I need you to pursue me a little more. I need you to pursue me. I need, you, I need you to not be so predictable. Come on, man, quit being so predictable. I'm going to go to a movie. I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going to a movie. I, I wanted to go see Maverick. You know, I was, I was pumped. Like, you want to go see that movie Maverick? And I knew she wanted to, too. The next day, she said to me, I'm, giving, I'm airing some of our business right now, but I, didn't, I don't have permission, but I love you, babe. And, um, and so she said, you didn't really ask me if I wanted to see that movie. Like, I knew she wanted to see it, but she's like, you didn't ask me if that's what I wanted to do on our date night. You just said, hey, let's go to this movie. You know what I did? I went and began to pray about it, and God told me, hey, why don't you take her on a drive, and you guys go and look at all the lake houses a couple years ago that you didn't buy that you wish you would have now and see what they look like. <laughs> and so we did. We had a fun little reminiscent drive for two, two and a half hours just talking and looking at homes all around the city in different places that, that we, we, we should have bought. <laughs> but, but pursue her. Men, pursue her. Pursue her. Pursue your kids. Pursue your children. You want to give them presence, they want your presence. And the three big factors that determine health in kids are time, your level of stress, and how good your marriage is. Those are the three main factors. Every counseling appointment that I've ever done in the history of pastoring with an adult, they've never said, I'm jacked up because I didn't get the car I wanted at 16. Ever. They never said, I messed up because I didn't get to wear the cool clothes. They've always said something that had to do with their mom and dad. Come on, I pray to God that I'm not the reason that my kids are getting counseling one day in some room. And that we probably will be because we're human, right? But the reality is we can do all we can to pursue our children. And the last thought, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you, is my relationship with Jesus, my recognition of Jesus, he's Lord God, and then my repentance to Jesus. I'll go quick and maybe I'll hit a little bit more next week. But repentance is not a cuss word, men. Repentance is a gift to you. It's a gift to me to, to be able to say, you know what? Here's what repentance is. It's all it is. I blew it. I was wrong. And I'm going to do everything in my strength with the power of God to help me not make those same mistakes again. I repent. I turn from that. And I walk the other direction. Maybe some of you here today need a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you in here today, men, come on, maybe it's time to go, you know what? You know what? I'm going to lead my family in worship. You see people with their hands in the air. You're like, that's extreme. You put your hands in the air when your team scores. That's extreme. It's extreme. You go deer hunting. Come on, any deer hunters. You climb up at a tree at 4 a.m. and sleep with, with deer pee on you. That's extreme. Worshiping Jesus, if you know him better, you'll be more extreme for him. I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to repent today. Years ago, I'd tell my daughter on the way to school and my kids, we love God today and we hate sin today. My daughter one time said, Daddy, we don't hate sin today. We hate sin every day. What is your attitude towards messing up? God's not trying to get you to hide. He's not trying to get you to run in shame. Come on, maybe some of you find yourself in a situation where you messed up today. Do you know when Adam messed up, when God corrected him, it wasn't to get him to be shamed and condemned. Adam did that himself. Adam actually covered himself. Can I tell you, listen to me, man. I, I, gotta, I know I'm a little bit, just give me a few more seconds. Here's what Satan does to you. When God comes to correct you, 
or, or an accountability comes into your life, we like to do what Adam did. It says that they covered themselves. They made clothes and covered themselves. What does that mean? They worked harder. A lot of times us men, they hid from God at one point, so they hid in shame. We'll either, here's what we do. We either hide in shame and quit, or we work harder and try to prove ourselves. But the Bible says that when God came in the scene, he killed a lamb, took the blood, made tunics of clothes for Adam and Eve, and God covered them. God can actually cover your mistakes today. You can actually stop blaming your present on your past. Man, you can actually stop being a victim today. You can actually decide that, you know what? The anger stops with me. You know what? The bitterness stops. You know what? The perversion stops with me. The shame stops with me. The quitting stops with me. It stops. My wife, I know when she, when she corrects me or coaches me in something, you know what I do? I get ticked off and go and I do the dishes. If you ever see me doing the dishes, I'm angry. She's learned now to correct me all the time to get all the house lists done. I'll show you. <laughs> I'm a man of God. <laughs> yeah, good attitude, son. Do, do you not, come on, anybody? You, you get, the Holy Spirit starts working on you or your wife corrects you or so, and you, you're trying to rise up to be a man of God and you're like, well, I'll just work harder. I'll just, no, 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 no. I'll just surrender more. I'll just say, okay, God, forgive me. I need to learn. I need to hear. I need to look to you, oh God. I repent. I turn from certain things. God, make me the man of God you need me to be. Today, that might be your day. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Father, I thank you so much that we get a relationship with Jesus. I thank you that men in this room would be men of God, that we can say we're men of God, that we'd stand up today. Lord, wherever the enemy's gonna try to divide today, I pray that you would just bring that, just bring unity and bring, bring uh, healing in families today because men would stand up. Lord, we're not gonna get it perfect. Doesn't mean that we're never gonna mess up, oh God, but Lord, we can repent and turn to you. We can have an attitude that we want you to be Lord God today. Or we're not going to have a casual attitude about you being the big power in the sky or the big man upstairs. No, 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 no. You're the Lord God. You're the, you're the chief and commander of my life. I build on you today. Maybe you're in this room. No one looking around. Just for a second, you say, you know what, Pastor? He's not Lord God to me. I need him to be Lord God. I need him to be the one that has the plan. I need to get him in the beginning of some things right now, starting right now today. Would you put your hand up to me if you need to pray? You need me to pray for you, to, for God to be Lord, Lord God in your life. Anybody in here? I need to make him. Come on. Thank you for your boldness, man. I need him to be at the beginnings of some stuff. Come on. Thank you for your honesty. Maybe some of you need to put God first in some areas right now. Anybody in here real quick? I got to put God first in this area. You know Holy Spirit speaking to you. I want to pray for you. Awesome. And then maybe some of you are in here, anybody, men and women, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You really don't have a relationship with God because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. The Bible says that you can do that today. That it's as simple as saying, you know what? I surrender to you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Lead my life. If you're online and you're watching and you need a fresh start with God, maybe you're ready to make Jesus the Lord, the leader of your life today. Would you just type fresh start right there in the chat? If you're in this room, no one look around just for another second. If you need to say, Jesus, be the leader of my life. I need a fresh start with God today. Would you put your hand up high and hold it high so I can pray for you? Awesome. Awesome. Let me pray for us, church. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that we can be men of God, that you gave us the greatest example, that you came and you lived and you grew 
and you matured and you grew in, in faith and wisdom. You grew in stature. You grew in relationship with God. Thank you today that something new would start in the men of this house. Something new would start in me as a leader that we wouldn't be passive, God. That we would be active with our worship and with our giving and with our generosity and with our purity. That we would make a difference in this city. We'd make a difference in our homes. We'd make a difference in our children's lives and our wives' lives. If we're dating someone, God, we'd make a difference in a godly dating relationship today. If we need to repent where we've crossed a line in any area, Lord, we repent today and, and turn to you, Jesus. Jesus, we surrender today. We believe that you're Lord God. Take all of our sin and shame and guilt, nail it to that tree. We believe you rose from the dead and that you are God. Give us a brand new heart in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.